This is Erica's story. Welcome back to the Six Feet Above podcast. So this is a uh, very special episode because I'm sitting across from Erica Carter, who basically is a reason that I got my first job in Atlanta. No. Right? It's, yes. It's so crazy. I just told one of my clients this morning, I was doing this podcast today, and a little bit of backstory yeah. of of you yeah. and how we met and like it's been a long time. It's We've known each other time. a long time. So other than like my family, I guess you're the first person I met in Atlanta. <laughs> it's um, true. So Erica is a local fitness pro like myself, but so much more to that that we will get into eventually. But just um, to kind of let you in on what we're talking about. So I moved here almost nine years ago, I think. It'll be nine years in September. So I've yeah. known you for nine years. Yeah. So I lived in LA. I worked at Equinox. Um, I taught spin. And when I decided to move to Atlanta, a girl that I, I mean, her name is Maeve and she's the most beautiful yoga instructor you will ever She's see. amazing. She's amazing. She's amazing. She was like, well, I have a, a friend, like my best friend literally lives in Atlanta. Would you ever want to like teach at this place called Flywheel? I'm like, what the fuck is Flywheel? <laughs> And this is like, it was known in Atlanta, but it wasn't quite known in LA yet. Like it was open, but it wasn't very well known. Right. It was open in LA? Yeah, it was open because I took a class before I moved here to be like, what am I getting myself into? Oh, okay. Yeah. So Erica was so sweet. We met, I think we met a Cafe Jonah. Do you remember that place? (gasps) Yeah. Like I remember Rest in peace, Cafe Jonah. I know. I know. (laughs) So we met and like... She was so sweet. She's like, if you're a friend of my friend Maeve's, you're a friend of mine. And kind of took me under her wing and introduced me to the managers and all the instructors. And granted, I failed like three times getting on the schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't we all? but, But the rest is history. So yeah, so we've known each other for a long time. And Erica, you know, she has a very interesting story that starts with Flywheel. Yeah. Um, and ends with flywheel, kind of. It starts and ends with flywheel. So, so tell us about, let's just jump into flywheel. How did okay. you get started? What is it? And what was your role there? Okay. What so, was it? So, <laughs> what peace. was it? Rest in peace, flywheel too. Cafe Jonah, flywheel. Right, right. I mean, all the good, all the good things. But everything happens yes. for a reason, mm-hmm. which I firmly believe. So I actually started um, or got to know flywheel because of a... Um, because of Kara Weaver, another oh, fitness professional yeah. who is no longer in Atlanta, yeah. but I was teaching at the Forum Athletic Club, okay. and she um, she was working there, and she had been recruited by Flywheel to kind of open up the business um, teaching bar, and she said she told me she was going to be teaching there, and she said I really think you would, you would love this. You know, we're not hiring. They're just hiring like the core group to start, but kind of keep it in the back of your head. And I was like, okay, yeah, kind of doing my own thing. I just started teaching fitness here in Atlanta. Um, I'd kind of gotten my kids into preschool and was like, I need to do something in fitness had always been a passion of mine. So the family and I, we were up in Rhode Island doing our summer thing up in Rhode Island, and I got a call from Kara Weaver. I think it was like in, I don't know, June or July, and she yeah. was like, hey, Flywheel is booming. We need more bar instructors. Do you want to audition? And I was like, well, sure. Yeah, yeah this sounds awesome. Yeah. So 
I came back. I did an audition, which was literally me taking a class with a laptop Mm -hmm. in front of me with the director of hiring, Uh watching me with like her head on her hand, staring (laughs) at me for 45, no, it was an hour. Um, So I did the audition and she was like, yeah, okay, um, great. You're hired. We need people so badly. So I flew up to North Carolina. I did this crazy intense training for a week where we did bar like seven hours a day. I mean, I don't think, I, I mean, I basically ate, slept and did everything bar. Yeah. I came back to Atlanta and we had someone who was like ready to give birth, who was teaching. People were going to be out. I mean, they literally threw me on the schedule and were like, sink or swim. Yeah. 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 And I think back to those first classes and I'm like, how, (laughs) how did anybody continue to take my classes? Because I feel they were horrible, but I just, I loved it so much and I loved everything that the company was about. I mean, there was flywheel, the cycling part, and then there was the bar part. And I just threw myself into it. I became so passionate about it. I was like, I'll sub, I'll teach. I mean, I just, I kept building and building and building. And I ended up being at Flywheel for eight and a half years. I kind of, I came six months into them starting in Atlanta and I I went down with the ship, man. I taught the last bar class in Buckhead. I taught the last Flywheel class. So I I had a hiatus. (laughs) (laughs) I taught that last bar class and it was literally like it was my it was my baby and flywheel yeah. became for me my husband with his job was mm-hmm. traveling all the time i had these two little kids and flywheel everyone there the 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 community and the people who work there they were like my family yeah. they were who i saw i saw them more than i saw my husband yeah. he was yeah. traveling so much so it was like this thing that i looked Look forward to every day. I loved it. I love the the way, um, just the community we had here. Yeah. I believe me, every fitness studio has its drama, and I really tried to yeah. stay out of the drama. And let's be real, I was really like, hard there. It, really hard. I was one of the oldest instructors, right. so I kind of felt like I was this mother hen, and I. Yeah. You know. Put your arms around everybody. Put my arms around everybody. Kumbaya. I was kind of kumbaya. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I did fly bar holiday parties at my yes. house every year. Like I really just embraced yeah. the company and embraced the atmosphere and the community. Um, well, it gave you a purpose. It here, gave me a purpose. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I met some of my greatest friends here mm-hmm. in Atlanta at Flywheel. It yeah. was like, it was kind of my everything. So when the pandemic hit and they were like, okay, we're going to shut down for two weeks. Well, and mind you, like, let's rewind real quick, because if you're listening and you haven't been in Atlanta that long or are unfamiliar with the fitness scene back in the day, like eight, nine, 10 years ago, it was basically the forum yep. flywheel mm-hmm. and blast. Yes. That was it. That was it. There were no cycle bars. There were no, there was, there were no options right. for boutique fitness. So flywheel was literally, I mean, it, it was, was a scene the thing. It was a scene. And when we were at that old yes, location, the, original. the yeah. OG flywheel, I mean, people would go yeah. and they would be there for hours, hours. Yeah. And it's not like there was anything to do, but just hang out. Right. It was like this, it was an event, yeah. like going to the classes, yes. hanging out, you know, yeah. 
It was, it was. And, and you would teach what, four classes a day, four or five classes some, a day? Some. I mean, yeah. at one point I was teaching like 15, yeah, same. 16 classes a week, just yep. grinding it out. But and we did it because we loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have been happy in any other place. I right. literally used to joke that I was going to be this 90-year-old lady like <laughs> ear, ear, coming into Flywheel and still teaching yeah. bar. Yeah. Like I really thought Flywheel was going to be where I finished my quote-unquote fitness career. career. Because right. I never, maybe towards the end, I was like, ooh, things yeah. got a little like yeah. not so great. Right. And there, Flywheel was having its its issues even pre-pandemic. So, but I always thought in the back of my mind, even before the pandemic, Flywheel's going to make it. We're going to turn this yeah, ship around. Yeah. It's going to, we're going to get back to where we were. And maybe that was a little naivete on my point, right, right. on my, because I knew what it could be. Right. I always thought we can get back yeah. there. I mean, we, we saw it that. in the heyday. Yeah. And like, you always want to remember things at their height. Right. Right. So, so we worked together for a few years. I went and took another job full time, left Flywheel. Four and a half years after that, went back to Flywheel, started in January of 2020. Right. So January of 2020, and it was exactly two years ago. Um, Next week? It's today. It was that we um, shut down. It was Monday the 15th or yep. Monday the 16th. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. Monday the 16th because, because um, St. Patrick's Day was on Tuesday. And Monday was the last day that all the fitness studios were open. And I taught the the 6 a.m. or the 10 a.m. flywheel. Right. So I went back to flywheel for two months. Right. And Erica had been there the entire time I left and came back. <laughs> but you... Just with like, a few more gray hairs and a few more wrinkles, <laughs> I was still there. And uh, I had just started teaching after all that yes, time. Okay. I taught all of the formats of the mat-based class. And I had finally been quote unquote, certified to yeah. teach wheel. Uh-huh. I'd been on the schedule for like four yeah. weeks yeah. and then. Yep. <laughs> yep. So everything shut down, right? It wasn't just flywheel. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I, again, stupid on my part, but I was like, this is going to be like two weeks. Like Me this too. isn't going to be a thing, mm-hmm. you know? And as a fitness instructor, like um, not many people are on salary. And I right. don't know if you were at that point yet, no. but like Flywheel Mm-mm. was not a company that, although we loved what we did in the community that it created, we created that community. The corporate culture did not. Right. Which was unfortunate. It so was unfortunate. we were teaching 15 classes a week, which it's not, anyone that's in fitness knows this, but you look at a fitness instructor and there's so much more that goes behind one hour of teaching. Right. The prep work, the energy, the voice, the... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, playlisting, right. getting there early, staying late, reaching out to class. I mean, it's You're a there for thing. hours. Hours. One and hour of classes. It's probably. three hours of work, really. Yeah, at least, yeah. At least. Mm-hmm. And the toll that it takes on your body and your voice, to be honest. Right. Like, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So you're in fitness because you love it, not because of the money or because right. of anything else or the salary or the, the yeah. benefits. Nobody got benefits. Nobody got benefits. <laughs> so you're here thinking, okay, this is a two-week thing. Mm-hmm. This is my, at that point, probably like your entire income, right? You weren't working anywhere else at that point, right? No, yeah. no. People had always said, well, will you, will you personal train me because yeah. I have my NASM certification. I was like, I don't have time. Yeah. Like I was teaching and putting so much into Flywheel, especially when I started training to do wheel. I mean, I was still teaching 10, 12 bar classes a week. And then I added on 
four or five wheel classes. Like I didn't have time yeah. to do anything else. Yeah. And my body couldn't really, or my voice couldn't take right. anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. So you were thinking it was a, it was a couple week thing and you'd be yeah. back open. So what happened after that? So <laughs> we, we were there, we got mm-hmm. shut down. We kind of packed it up and went home yeah. and, um, I think it was on the 19th, Flywheel did a corporate call. And, you know, they had been, they had, I just went back and looked in my email and they had sent out a, an email, I think the day prior to this corporate call to the whole community, to everybody who, all the members. And they had said, you know, we're in this together. We're going to be back stronger than ever if we can you know we've been through so much we can get through this blah 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 the very next day corporate was like okay mandatory call for everybody to to come on and I remember I was sitting at my kitchen island in the corner and we did the call and they were like we're laying everyone off 98% of the workforce is getting laid off and I literally felt like someone had died. It was like someone had punched me in the gut. I was like, how is this happening? Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we're, we're going to, you know, we'll bring you back when we open back up. But something in me, I'm, it was, I was under a lot of stress at the time. We can talk about all that yeah, stress yeah, later. Get all to that too. I, yeah. I, we made it through the call. I got off the phone and I literally burst into tears. Mm. Did you know? Did you have an idea? I did. I almost felt like just because I knew what state Flywheel was in, we they were trying to get bought. I knew financially they weren't doing great, and I just thought, well, they had been sued by Peloton, like all the things. It was a hot mess. Yeah, it was a hot mess, and I thought, this might be, this might be it. Yeah, where I thought I was going to spend the rest of my (laughs) fitness career (laughs) literally just got ripped away from me. Right, and I, I literally burst into tears and I remember my husband walked into the house and he was like oh my god did something happen to your mom my mom at during all of this COVID had been diagnosed with or was in treatment for pancreatic cancer and I was like no I just sobbing like I could barely speak I was like flywheel just laid everyone off and he literally stopped like dead in his tracks and was like so why are you so upset? And yeah. I mean, my husband, he is a realist and yeah. he is an entrepreneur through and through. And literally, it's like, well, do your own thing, Erica. Like you have this following of people. Right. You've been doing this for eight years. Just start your own business. Yeah. And I literally looked at him like he was nuts. Yeah. And I was like, I just... They're like my family. I was like, I right. couldn't even think beyond the thought I was and at in. At that point, you're like, I need to grieve before I even can think about what I have to right. do. Right. And I know? think that was, I mean, for him, he was traveling all the time and he knew I worked a lot and I was at Flywheel a lot and that I love, love, loved my yeah. job. But I don't think he understood at the time and maybe even now, like how much. Flywheel was my support system here because he was traveling so right. much. So, right. and you had moved here from Rhode Island, from That's LA, from LA. We moved here from LA. But you're from Rhode Island. 
right? Originally from Connecticut. Okay. And then my mom grew up in Rhode Island. And when my sister and I were in college, my parents actually moved back to the hometown that my mom grew up in, which was only a half hour okay, from so where. that's why you were always going up there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But you lived in LA for Anson's, your husband's job? Yes. Okay. So, but my husband was a professional hockey right. player and he trained in the off season in LA. So okay. that was always our home base. Okay. You know, we would go wherever he was playing and then we had our base home in LA. He would right. train in the off season and then whenever the season would got start, it, we'd go it, off to whatever it. team he was playing for. We were in LA and then he retired. Um, the girls were little. Michaela was three. Malia was just one. So you and two little girls at this point. Two little girls. We're not so little anymore. Oh my gosh. We're not so little anymore. And we knew we didn't want to stay on the West Coast just because both of our families were East Coast. Yeah. So my family was in Rhode Island. His right. family's in Toronto. And um, Anson was working with a group to try and get the Thrashers to stay here uh, in Atlanta when Atlanta had a hockey team. So he was working with a group to try and keep the Thrashers here. Got it. Um, FYI, if you're not a hockey fan, didn't it happen. didn't work. It but didn't we work. moved here. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because, like, hockey's my favorite sport. Like, oh I'm, my gosh, hockey the, and lacrosse. I don't belong in the South. You don't, but <laughs> I really don't. I don't know. Hockey <laughs> might come back. I, I do think so? I do. Okay, okay, I do. Okay. A little, a little birdie. Okay, a little birdie has. Ooh, just when I thought I was going to be moving out of Atlanta, now I might stay. Now you might stay. Now you might stay. So we moved here. Hockey didn't work, but right. it's kind of where we put our roots down. It was. The girls, we they were going into school, right. and we were like, this is a great place. East Coast, easy to get north. Right. Yeah. Atlanta's a great hub to yeah. fly around. So we ended up staying okay. here. Okay. Um, but with that being said, he doesn't have any family here. I don't have any family here. So when Flywheel went away, I literally felt like my family had been Correct. Yeah. ripped from me. And yeah. not that I don't stay in touch with people from Flywheel, it's that the people I saw every day, that yeah. community, yeah. not just the people I worked with, but the people who came and took yeah. my classes. It was it was like a piece of me was gone, yeah. which was devastating. And I will have, I, and again, not to assume, but, you know, for so long, you're part of your husband's professional career, right? Yes. And as- We went where he had to go. As a wife to that, you, mm -hmm. you- when you start dating someone in that world, like I have a friend who's married to a professional basketball player, she goes wherever he goes because right. that's kind of what you agree to when right. you're like, okay, this is your life, right? This is this right. is the way it's going to go. Like you mm -hmm. can't just pick up and play in any city you want, right? There has to be a team that's going to accept you to right. play there. So right. then you have two kids and it's like, okay, he has his world. He's got his whole thing going on. Right. And I would imagine, like, for a female, it's like being a mom is is the best job in the world, right? But, like, right. not having a connection to an office or other adults in the same capacity mm -hmm. that your husband does is probably challenging, especially right. in L.A. Right. <laughs> and actually, that's kind of how I, I – I've always – I've been into fitness my whole life, like, just yeah. ever since I was young, I did yeah. I did gymnastics. I was I played soccer. You know, always very active. Belonged to a gym from high school right, on. Right. But I actually got into fitness when like doing personal training. When Anson and I first lived together, I was in Canada, and I'm like, what can I do? Right. 
can't really work, but I was like, oh, let me get my personal training certification and I can do some training on the side. And that's kind of how I started in fitness. And then when I came to, um, when we came to Atlanta, I joined the Forum Athletic Club. I loved it. They were kind of branching out and doing some other things. And I started, that's kind of how I started teaching there. And then the kids were in school. So I had this like little tiny window of time where I could like teach a class or two. And it just grew from there right once I, and I it's started like you know work. again it's like it's that pull to be involved in something right something you, you want mm-hmm. like being a mom yes that's your purpose right but there's got to be for some females it's right like, there's got to be more right and for some people like that's it that's all I want to do is be a mom right? right and that's okay either way and in the beginning you know when the girls were born um pre pre-fitness and pre-getting married, I was in advertising for a long time. Um, I was an account director. I worked crazy banana hours, but I knew once I had kids, I wanted to take some time off to to be with the kids. Um, And, you know, everybody's different. Everybody, some people need to have have that full-time job. Some people want to be a full-time mom. Neither, you know... It depends. It depends on yeah. the person. Yeah. I really wanted to be with the kids as much as I could when yeah. they were young because I knew once they went to school that I was right. You know, right. Then that. And that's kind of the double-edged sword with fitness is it is flexible, mm-hmm. but it's also like you are at the mercy of where you work and getting paid hourly because right. you don't make any more than that, right? So it's like exactly. So when Flywheel went away. I lost obviously my my salary, um, and I also lost my community, kind of yeah. like my family. I mean, yeah. I, and it's not that I don't see or talk to flywheel people still, but literally, I was there anywhere between five and seven days a week. So yeah. I would go in. You know, it was they were my community. Right. It was right. the the people I worked with and the people, the members. They were it, it was my people, and I yeah. felt like that had really been right. Right. And you get in that, that it's a habit, right? Just you're creating that habit of going to this place. And, you know, there's probably like the whole misery loves company thing, right? Where you're realizing, okay, the rest of the world is going through the same exact thing. But when you're in that place, it's hard to like, it's hard to see what everyone else is going, what everyone else is going through because you're like, wait, I'm in it. I'm dealing with this, right? Where at the same time, your kids are dealing with the whole school thing and Anson's not traveling because hockey was canceled. I don't think I've ever spent so much time with my husband as I did. (laughs) No, seriously. I honestly don't think, except for maybe when we lived in Switzerland, I don't think we ever spent that much time together as a family, which was it's actually kind of kind of nice. Kind of nice. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people are like, we could go back there every now and then again yeah. and live that. Maybe that not forever, but at least right. for like Right, 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 right. So so basically at this point, like you knew Flywheel was done, never coming back. Nobody ever answered the emails. We found out basically they went bankrupt. Like they literally just left all of the equipment in the studio. I think it's still there. Like, aren't the shoes still there? I don't know. <laughs> well, they sure. did a li- they did a liquidation sale. I yes. think for Midtown. I don't know. For the longest time, the flywheel sign was still up yeah, at the yeah, shops of Buckhead. Yeah. It's not there anymore. 
I haven't been over there. I mean, I used to be there every day. Every day. I never yeah. go over there yeah. anymore yeah. unless I'm like going to eat at Le Bibliquet or something. Right, right, right. It's right. on the other side. Um, I don't know what's there. I don't know what they did with all the stuff. It's really, it's kind it's of sad. bananas. It's very sad. So, um, so once you realize, okay, this isn't coming back, right? You had, you had already kind of started your own thing. Or what was the timeline there? Right after we shut down, I mean, I think everybody in the world was kind of like, right. what is what right. is going on? I actually had one of my clients reach out to me and was like, will you train me virtually? Yeah. And I was like, oh, sure. Yeah. So I literally slid my kitchen table. Like I, yeah. I didn't, I, I had no idea what I was doing and I FaceTimed her and uh -huh. I was like, that uh -huh. was, I started, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this yeah. is great. And then other, you know, Anson being, right. you know, the right. entrepreneur that he is was like, you need to, you need to capitalize on this. Like you can, you should be teaching classes. And then it was kind of like, you started seeing things popping up, build, yeah. build where yeah. other fitness professionals, we were like, well, we, we've got to figure this out. Right. Like it wasn't like we were going to go back in studio anytime right. soon. And I started, I went back and looked at my old emails and I was like posting links to Zoom on Facebook, mm -hmm. like trying to use <laughs> AirPods, AirPods. Yeah, yeah. and trying to make the yeah. music sync. And I had like a speaker playing. It was so janky yeah. and like literally taped together like uh -huh. I, I took over my kids' like rec room. Yeah. I just kind of moved all their shit to the side yeah. and was like, mommy's got a studio and they're trying to do virtual classes. And I'm like bebopping away two rooms down, yep. like yep. trying to make this this all work. And I just, I would record classes and then I would post the link. Yeah. So people who couldn't make the times I was teaching, right. I mean, it just started, just kind of started to evolve. Yeah. And I was doing donation based in the beginning because um, I just didn't. Hey, we didn't know how long it was right. going to be. Right. And I mean, I knew I wasn't going back to Flywheel, right. but I thought to myself, this is, this is kind of cool. I, yeah. I can make something, I can make a business out of this. So yeah. I built this, um, well, I did not build it because I'm not, <laughs> let's be real. I'm let's not very, I'm not yeah. very tech savvy. Yeah. I mean, I kind of make, I, I can make it work, but I had a website built and um, I created memberships and yeah. you know I kind of it was a learn as you go yeah. process I mean I feel like it still kind of is a learn as you go process yeah. next week EC Fitness turns yeah. to that's the name of my company by the way like when I started I didn't have a logo I didn't right. have a name I didn't have a studio I didn't I didn't have any of it. I just you didn't have a plan. You didn't have a business plan. plan. Oh I had no who, plan. Who did? Who did? I mean we just kind of like I still don't. I'm still, I'm still doing it. All right. I'm still kind of winging it too. I don't have a business plan. I have a vision. Right. And, you know, from where I started two years ago to, sure. to now, yeah, I've got a logo. I've, I've gone through two websites. Right, I, right. Um, I have a beautiful studio, recording studio yeah. that we yeah. built in our, our basement. I have an area where I can personal train people. Right. So, yes, it is kind of always evolving. Um, I think if you look at EC Fitness now to two years ago, yeah. I mean, leaps and bounds, it yeah. is, yeah. you know, it's growing. We're still small. We, me, yeah. I'm still this you. small me. Um, I do have um, two instructors that every once in Which a while will so come cool. in and yeah. 
record some classes so people aren't just seeing my face on right. demand. Um, right. So are you doing a group where it's like, okay, I'm going to be teaching at this time. Here's the link you log on for, you know, are they buying classes, memberships or whatever, or, and, or are you doing, here's the link to a recording. Do they have access to things that you've recorded before? So kind of a little bit of okay. everything. So I have a website. You can buy a membership. If you buy a membership, you get access to all of my live virtual classes. Got I teach it. five live virtual classes a week. Every live virtual class I teach, unless I have a tech technology problem like I did today, <laughs> gets recorded in HD. I edit it down wow. and then I upload it to a library. So okay. the library has silos where there's, I teach different types of classes. Yeah. So I teach a total body bar. I teach an arms and core, a glutes and core, a cardio sculpt class. Yeah. Um, so if you buy a membership, you get access. There's over 300 classes in the on-demand library. Um, Which is also like, just think about that. Like you've, you've built that in two years. Like that's like, do you ever look at yourself and you're like, I did that, you know, yes. isn't that cool? Yeah, I do. I look at myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I did that. But then I'm also very critical of myself mm. and I'm like, how can I be bigger? Right right, 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 right. How can I differentiate myself from, I mean, let's be real. There's a lot of fitness professionals right. out there doing what I'm doing, doing right. it, where you're, right, what right. you're doing, training virtual, trying to keep um, an on-demand or a virtual business Library. going yeah. Yeah. when gyms and when the world is starting to open right, back up. Like, right. am I still going to be relevant? And I do, I think there's space in the fitness world for both. Yes. Um, I think not to get off topic, but I do think that, you know, moving forward, yes, people want to be with other people. They want to yeah. connect. They want that community feel, that physical yeah. space. You're, you got someone next to you that's right. really motivating you to yes. work out harder, but then you also have Maybe there's the day where you're like, Ugh, I don't have 25 minutes to drive to the gym, get right. there early for the class right. to start. And then I got to get back home. I got to take a shower to be where I'm going to be. I think there's always going to be that need for mm -hmm. virtual fitness or on-demand fitness because let, let's be real, being able to work out in your own house, yeah. who cares yeah. what you look like? Like no one's yeah. looking at you. I mean, sometimes my clients keep their- totally. In, in my virtual classes, sometimes people keep their cameras on. A lot yeah. of times I don't even yeah. see a real face. Like we'll talk. Yeah. We have that community in our live virtual classes because we all chit chat before right, right, class right. and after class. Yeah. But we're not looking at each other because, you know, who doesn't have makeup? Well, I have makeup on. <laughs> and I, I have to make myself look presentable. But, you know, I don't know. Right. right. Who rolls out of bed? And I think it's also hopefully taught at least Americans because I think we need a big old wake up call. That fitness is not so um, unaccessible. Is that the right word? Like fitness is so incredibly accessible and you have no fucking excuse not to move your body. Like it drives me crazy. Like I won't even get on this tangent much, but the fact that you can literally log onto a computer and be in front of a professional at this very moment, right anytime, now, anytime of the it day. It doesn't matter if it's minimal equipment. equipment. Right. It's, it's like, like there's no excuse for people are like, I don't have time. Yeah. You have time. Yeah. I got a lot of videos that are 20 yeah. minutes or under. Yeah, exactly. Or you a 10 minute hour. Quickie. Nobody needs an hour. You don't. You really you don't. don't. You don't. So like there's zero excuse not to move your body at least three to four times a week. And it's not like you're paying $300 for a gym membership anymore. Like, like fitness instructors, I don't know about you, but like I took a huge pay cut. Like. 
I had to figure out how to keep moving forward, but also make it accessible to other people because other people also lost their jobs. I was doing $5 Zooms for 30 minutes. Um, yeah. Literally. Yeah. I was like, if you can't afford, don't pay in the beginning. Right. Like just. Right. Donation based. Donation. Like everybody yeah. needs to move. Like exactly. I don't, I didn't know what anybody else's situation was. Yeah. And I was like, just whatever, just come like, and, and we'll and, all figure it out. And there's so, you know, and again, like there is a market for every body. There's a market for every type of person that does a different workout. There's a, there's, and that's why so many fitness instructors can be successful because everybody, it's like a salesperson, right? You're going to buy from somebody that you like and somebody that you support and somebody that you love and somebody that you connect to. And Joe Schmo might connect to you more than they do this person over here. So like there is a market for every person. It's just about like finding that connection. And you're very lucky in that you had those eight years building up to it where people are like, yeah, people are like, where did you go? What are you doing? But at the same time, you're building a business, dealing with a pandemic, uh, trying to keep your two kids afloat in virtual school, your husband's home without traveling and a job. Um, and working, really. And working. I mean, because he's right. a, a hockey analyst now. So when everything shut down, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he was kind of like twiddling his twiddling thumbs, his trying to just make you build a business <laughs> instead. You're dealing with probably the most traumatic experience of your personal life. Absolutely. And it was during that time, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, my mom had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. She was in, she was in treatment. Um, she did not have an easy time with treatment. I mean, shortly after flywheel closed, she got really, really sick with sepsis. She was in the hospital. We didn't know if she was going to make it. My oldest daughter was diagnosed with epilepsy. I mean, there was just so many things. It was like, I literally felt like I was being buried, but I needed, and I think that's why I poured everything into EC fitness. I needed something that was a distraction, an escape from everything else going on in my life. And luckily with my daughter, we were able to get her medication under control. She's thriving. She's doing phenomenal. It's almost like we don't even, we don't think about, think about that anymore. It's like a little blip in your life. A little blip in my life. And, you know, unfortunately my mom passed away a little over a year ago and without EC fitness, I mean, I feel like the, the, especially the people who came to my live virtual classes, it was like, they were, it was almost like they were in it with me. Everybody knew what was going on with my mom. Everybody was there to support me. Um, and I guess one silver lining of the pandemic is we were able to kind of pack the kids up and go up to Rhode Island when my mom was at end of life, you know, if they had been in school and there wasn't a pandemic, they would have just been missing school. We wouldn't have been able to go up there and they wouldn't have been able to continue with school. And I brought all of my, I mean, I packed up all of my equipment. I was teaching classes up until, I mean, I think like two or three days before my mom passed. And I took a, I did take some time off afterwards, but I needed, it was almost like I needed the distraction. I went back to teaching really quickly and threw myself right back into, okay, I got to, I've got to, it was, I think it was a way for me to kind of cope. Cope. And when, you know, as an instructor, when you are either on the podium or you're teaching, 
nothing mm-hmm. else you don't, nothing else matters, right? Mm-hmm. You're so focused on what you're doing yeah. that it's, it was almost an escape for me to like not think about my mom and the fact that she wasn't here anymore. I was able to just yeah. lose myself in my, my teaching and yeah. it was, thank so, God I had it. So was your mom diagnosed before 2020 then? Yes. She was diagnosed, um, in 2019. Okay. So she got diagnosed right around Thanksgiving. She had a major surgery. Um, like just all of a sudden or did you know? Like She had there... not been feeling great and okay. she had been going to the doctor and they kept saying, oh, you have indigestion, you know, take Zyrtec or Zan- well, Zantec. We, what is the what is the one you see it on TV all the time? The big lawsuit against oh. that causes uh, pancreatic oh, cancer oh, and shit. different types of Z- Zantac, uh, right? Zyrtec is allergies. Zer- okay, so it's Zantac. Zantac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be spreading misinformation. <laughs> Zantac. So my mom had been prescribed that for a long time. Like, take that. You know, she thought she had heartburn. Um, and we, my sister and I, had taken a trip with my parents over to Italy mm-hmm. in September. It was just the four of us. Yeah. Um, it was a phenomenal trip, but my mom did not feel good. Like mm. every time she ate, she just, she didn't feel good. And she kept saying, I know something's wrong with me. I know something's wrong. And we we're like, mom, you know, it's, you're going to be fine. You'll yeah. go back. Like yeah. it's probably indigestion, you know? And we got back from Europe. Um, we went, the kids, Anson and I went up to Toronto for Canadian Thanksgiving and I remember my sister calling me and saying, we didn't want to tell you, but mom's in the hospital. Mm. She had a pancreatitis attack mm. and they did a CAT scan and they see something, but they're not really worried about it. And the original doctor was like, yeah, we see something. You should probably go and like get a biopsy, out, right? but nothing that was like super stressful. Yeah. And they didn't schedule the her scan until I think it was supposed to be right before Thanksgiving. It was like, they were almost like, don't worry about it. We don't think it's anything. And when she went finally to get the scan, it was right before our Thanksgiving in November. They, they did the scan and they did a biopsy and they were like, you need to get to Yale New Haven hospital immediately. You have pancreatic cancer (gasps) and you need to see if you're a candidate for Whipple surgery. So they went up to Yale New Haven and the surgeon they met with was like, I'm getting ready to go out of town, but I'm going to squeeze you in because if we wait, we're not going to be able to do this surgery. And I flew home for the surgery. Um, She had this uh, surgery called Whipple surgery where they remove part of your pancreas, part of your stomach, part of your small intestine. They kind of put it all back together. Uh And the doctor, you know, it was hours and hours. It was a really long surgery. He came out and he was like, we got the tumor. If you had waited or I had waited, it wouldn't have been operable. And he said, we got clear margins. There were cancer cells in three of the 43 lymph nodes we removed. But I mean, for us, we're like, my gosh. There wasn't a doubt in my mind, kind of like with flywheel. I'm such an optimist. I was like, my mom's got this. Like she made it through the surgery you know, she'll do the chemo. There was cancer in three lymph nodes. Like she's got it. She's yeah. got it. We're, we, you know, it yeah. was, we kind of all were so excited and 
she started the chemo. She went through the first couple treatments. And I don't, I don't know if you remember ever seeing my mom. She was like four foot 10. It's like yeah. tiny little, tiny little yeah. Italian lady. Yeah. And the chemo just kicked her oh. butt. She got through the first chemo treatment and she was like, I got this. She was so cute. She would call the little thing she had to take home with her, her little Chanel bag. She'd be like, <laughs> got my Chanel bag, you know, I'm this. Yeah. She had, she called my cousin who's a chef in Rhode Island was like, I want to plan a party for when my treatment's over. Like we are going to celebrate. And then it was maybe her third or fourth treatment in where she got sepsis mm. and it really, I mean, it almost killed her. She yeah. ended up in the yeah. hospital. And now by this point, pretty sure we're, we're, Yes, where yes, because I was actually training for flywheel when yeah. Yeah. she had her first sepsis scare. It's like January, February, right? Yes. And yeah. she was in the hospital and it was um it was so bad. You know, when you have sepsis, you kind of have like a 50-50 yeah. chance yeah. you're gonna make it. And she pulled through and it was like, oh my gosh, phenomenal. And then she ended up getting sepsis again. And then she started having trouble with her liver. I mean, this was over the course of, yeah. of a long time. And, um, at a certain point she got a bile duct blockage okay. and, um, this was right before Christmas of 2021. 2020. And we went home for Christmas. Wait, um, so like four months ago? Yeah. No. Christmas, Christmas of 2020, 2020, right? 2020. 2020. Oh my gosh. I can't yeah. keep it all straight. Yeah, yeah. 2020. She had had, they had done an external bag for her like liver bile and they were like, okay, they got, they thought they got it all squared away. They took the bag away. They kind of put her all back yeah. together. We went home for Christmas. Um, and the day after Christmas, she woke up, she had a fever. She was just not doing well. And she was sepsis again. Mm. The cert, the procedure they did for a stint did not work. She went into the hospital. Um, and I actually, we flew back to Atlanta. Like I didn't, I said goodbye to her when she went to the hospital, but yeah. it's pandemic, right? right. No, what my dad yeah, couldn't even, in. my dad couldn't yeah. go see yeah. her. So this is her not third. Mention, I'm sure you're like, like okay, okay, it's also scary for us to be around her because we don't want to give her COVID. Oh my gosh, we were COVID testing, right. we were wearing masks. It was a disaster. It was a disaster. And we went back we flew back to Atlanta and my mom was in the hospital. And I remember, I remember my dad saying, um, they're going to let me go visit your mom. And so I'm going to go to the hospital. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so great. They're going to yeah. let him go. But it really was, we're letting him go because we're going to make the decision whether or not we move forward with treatment. And they, my dad went to the hospital you know, he and my mom discussed what was going to happen. And my dad came home and he said, he called, he texted my sister and I and said, you know, I don't want to go through the the whole thing twice. Let's just do a, we'll do a conference call mm -hmm. and um, I can fill you both in at the same time. And that's when he said, you know, your mom's going to come home and this is going to be like, she can't do it anymore. Um, you know, she just, she fought so hard and she was like, I don't want to keep going to the hospital. I don't want to keep being by myself yeah. because it's COVID. And yeah. she's like, I just want to be with you guys and I want to enjoy the rest of my life. And, you know, that's when we kind of packed it all up and they gave her three to six months to live. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, because she really was. Right. 
so sick. Um, I mean, I think she only lived for like another another month. But again, silver lining of right. the pandemic, we were able to be with her right the whole time. Yeah. Um, you know, I taught my classes and then I could go sit with my mom. And yeah. it, you know, at, at in the beginning when we went up there, she was still up and you know moving we, around, moving around, yeah. Yeah. Um, not feeling great. But she went downhill pretty quickly and. Um, but we were there and we yeah. were able to spend the whole whole time with her yeah. and able to be there, you know, with her when she passed. And, um, you know, my I mentioned earlier in the or maybe I didn't. It, no, I did. Earlier in the podcast, I was saying how <laughs> my mom and my dad ended up moving back to, yeah, to Rhode Island. Island and yeah. it's this little like little town, Westerly, Rhode Island. And a lot of my mom's family is there is there. Yeah. So she had a lot of family around and everybody, you know, could come and visit. And my girls were there. And um, Maeve, who yeah. introduced you and I, yeah. flew back from LA at me in the middle of the pandemic because my parents were like parents to her. To so her, it was, yeah. while it was heartbreaking, it was so beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful that yeah. we could all be there with her. Celebrate her. Yeah. Yeah. So- the last couple of years, I mean, between the pandemic, between the epilepsy <laughs> diagnosis, my mom having cancer, it's it's been super emotional. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how I would have made it through. I mean, obviously I would have made it through, but right. it's like if I didn't have this community that right. I created right. with EC Fitness, yeah. it's like I don't know how I – how I would have made it, how I would have made it through because yeah. I, I still have had this community of people with me. I right. mean, I've had my family with me, but it, there's something about, I had another purpose besides. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think too, like it's, it's, we are blessed to have family because I have parents that adore me and they love each other and, and that's, that's great. But like, sometimes when you have that, it's like, you feel like that's supposed, it's supposed to be that way. Whereas when you create a group of friends and family through fitness, those are like chosen family. Yes. Right. right? Whereas like, like it's, it's a different, it's hard. It's, I understand, I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, because people choose to spend their time and money with you because they like you and they want you to kick their butt or to just talk to them for an hour and kind of work out like whatever it is, you're the chosen part of their life. And vice versa. And and that is such a gratifying feeling to know that you can impact someone's life that is com a complete stranger to start with and becomes family over time. Right. And, and you know what that's like. Yeah. I mean, as a fitness professional, it yeah. is, I don't think there's anything more gratifying than seeing the positive impact we have right. on other people. Right. I mean, you're literally making people's lives Better. Better, hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and also like, you know, at, at this at the same time, it's like they are making our lives better because it's 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 giving us a purpose, right? And going back to what I said in the beginning, like people really don't go into fitness for the the money. Like unless you're like a huge Peloton instructor or whatever, like nobody's raking in a ton of money. Hopefully, hopefully your business grows and you are at some point because now you can get to the point where you can employ other people and you're not 
always the one on screen and always the one teaching and always the one showing up at somebody's houses to do personal training. So the growth is there. But I would say in the beginning, when I <laughs> walked into Equinox at 24 and was like, give me a job, <laughs> it wasn't because I was like going to make $300 an hour. It was because right. I was going to get a free membership <laughs> and be able to work out in a badass pool. Right. You know, and it's just grown into this now, which is kind of incredible to see. And like, Walking around town, like Atlanta, yeah, it's a huge city, but it's a really small town when it comes to fitness. Right. We all know each other. Yeah. We've all worked everywhere. It's true. Well, maybe, maybe not, not you. you. I guess you're the, the only, only one. one. I've worked at a couple places, yeah. but not yeah. everywhere. No, Me, because I, mean. I was like the diehard flywheel. Right. I was going to work right. there forever. Right. So what's, what is, you said you have a vision. Right. So what, where do you go from here? Right. Well, I should probably, um, like you and I talked about, Write a real business plan, right? Yeah. Because it's like, you know, you can't always be so fine. What does Anson say? The seat of your pants. He, much you write <laughs> he has not told me. He has not told me to he's write. He's back to work. He's, he's, he's back right. working. He's yeah. so busy. He doesn't yeah. know which end is up. I mean, he's back to traveling so much. I'm like, who's my husband? Right, right. Um, you know, the the goal is to continue to grow. And yeah. that is where, not that it, yeah, okay, it is challenging because it's like, great, I've got my community right. of people. That's fabulous. Yeah. And yes, by word of mouth, right. you know, you kind of trickle out. But how do you take what you've got mm -hmm. and keep expanding? Expanding. Growing. Or right? getting better, at least. Or getting better. Yeah. Or always recruiting new mm -hmm. people. Like, how do you differentiate yourself from – because, yes, I could be – Someone in London or California or Wyoming could could find me, but how do I differentiate myself from sure. all of the other people who are doing online fitness, right, from right. all the other instructors? And, and you, you know what? what? I'm not for everybody, right? And that's fine. I don't I don't expect to be the the peloton of right. you know virtual classes or virtual training. And um, do you want to stick with virtual or do you ever have a vision of having like a brick and mortar? Right now, I I think I want to stick with virtual yeah. and continue to grow that. And, you know, I think there's, you have to figure out like what is the, what's the sweet spot of yeah. where I can continue to make an income, right. but it's accessible enough for Everybody Others, that, yeah. you know, what, what is the, what is the price point where it's, you know, if I drop my price to $15 a month, well, yeah, yeah that's great. But maybe when I have a thousand members, right. but it's right. like, how do you right. get to that point? So that's right. what my focus is right now is like, okay. how do I continue to keep bringing on more and more people so I can continue to drop the price because yeah. I would love to be accessible, accessible. to everybody yeah. and you know, but, yeah. but right now it's like, I have to balance, like I have to find that balance sure. of, I need to have an income right. and I need to make it. And you built a studio in your house. So a lot of money went into that, the equipment, right. mostly the, the audio visual equipment, right. right? The audio visual um, equipment. And I built a personal training studio in my house. Mm -hmm. So I bought all, all the equipment and I'm forever st buying stuff for that. Right. Let's be real. I mean, you could buy like something new. Sure. 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 Every month. Now that, now that you can actually buy stuff. Now that you can buy stuff Finally. and it's not like six months out. So it's, okay, you know, so it's growth. just continuing to to, yeah. to grow and differentiate myself. Yeah. Um, 
you know, obviously I have a specialty in bar-based classes sure. because that's what I taught for eight yeah. and a half years. So it's like, I feel like I could teach, I could teach bar in my sleep, yeah. you know, yeah. I could teach a bar class with my eyes closed. Totally could. Um, but kind of adding my own flair onto yeah. it and um, offering different types of classes that aren't just bar classes that maybe incorporate some bar, but are a little more cardio, a little more hit, incorporate heavier weights. So could somebody come to you and be like, I want a monthly membership, but I also want like two personal sessions with you a month or mm -hmm. something. So they could supplement it, yeah. complement it, I guess. Yep. Okay. Yep. Or if people are like, eh, I can't commit to a membership, but I just want to do a drop in either to virtual or on demand. Sure. I have that, that option. So, and a lot of times if people are like, well, I don't know, I don't know if it will work for me. Right. I'm like, well, here, here's a week. Right. Try it out. Take as many of the right. classes as you can. See what you jump like. on live. See if you like it. Jump, yeah. jump into the different on-demand yeah. classes. You yeah. know, um, and you can see if Isn't I that crazy. I, I mean, if, if somebody, somebody told us that this was the way the world was going to be ten years ago, right? right? Where we were like, wait, you don't work for a big box gym or a boutique. Like you have your own business. Like no way. No way. Like, no way. I would have never like, thought in a like, million years. You're bonkers. But, you know, as every other industry, it forced us to figure it out. Yeah. We had to step out of the comfort zone. Or you kind of succumb to whatever happens in your life. And that's, I think it's a, a metaphor for any part of your life, right? You have really two decisions. Like, I think about the traumatic stuff, like with your mom dying, right? You either see it this way and it's beautiful and awful at the same time or you see it this way and it affects you forever and it's hard to get out of that and you you lose the community and you leave that and you're mourning and grieving and you can't get through that. So it's like finding that balance and also um, finding the strength to hopefully choose the path that will allow you to build a future and like showing your girls that you're a strong female entrepreneur, right? Like that's got to be incredible. They probably don't know it yet, but someday they're going to look back and be like, do you guys remember when mom built her own business? Like look at her now, you know, 10 years It's from now. so funny because I was writing my newsletter last night and I love to ask the girl's opinion yeah. on like the graphics I yeah. make. Or I was like, Malia, come check this out. And she's like, oh, that's cool. Why? Yeah, it was, it's like a yeah. little thing that says yeah. two on it. I was like, my business is two years old next week. She was like, oh my gosh, mom, congratulations. That's so cool. Yeah. And so maybe they they do see it, but I want them to know that, you know, they can do anything they want. Yeah. And if they want to create their own business, you know, they they see me working, they see, they see me hauling hustling. ass around hustling. town, yeah. hustling, going to clients, yeah. running down to the gym, doing this. And, you know, I just want them to know that they can do whatever they want if they yeah. put their minds to it. Yeah. And awesome. also seeing you lose your mom, I always say, I think the kids that struggle, not kids, I think the adults that struggle most in this world are the adults that have never had practice with real emotions. And it's, it's the kids, like, I think our kids are going to be so much better off than we are because they've had to deal with the past two years and kids are adaptable and they're resilient and we don't give them credit for that. We really don't. We like, oh my God, our kids have to wear a mask. It's like, they're kids, they'll be fine. And they've learned to kind of cope and deal with these ups and downs and these emotions, which most of us didn't deal with until we're in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever. 
So again, it's all about practicing something in life, whether that's something physical or something mental. I feel like when I was younger, whenever there was someone sick or, you know, if someone was dying, it was, I feel like our parents' generation, we were always kind of sheltered from it. Yeah. Um, And I am so thankful that my kids were able to be a part of the whole process with my mom, because while it was heartbreaking, it was, it was exactly what she wanted and they got to, they got to be with her and experience it. And, you know, obviously death is awful and it's, it's challenging. It's challenging, obviously for me, I just, I still cry about my mom, but I want them to be able to a show their emotions and be able to deal with their emotions moving forward because let's face it, there's going to be hard shit right in life and and no one's you have to life alive no one's getting out unfortunately unfortunately and I just want them to know it's okay to it's okay to be sad it's okay to be upset it's okay to feel anxious it's okay to feel anxious about death like I just want to give them the tools to yeah be successful in all aspects of their life like whether it's a business like easy fitness or being able to deal with their emotions and deal with death and hard things that are going to come their way. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, harder things that, that have already, I mean, they've already, I mean, our kids or the kids in this generation, they've already dealt with a bunch of hardship. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're always looking ahead at like what's next. And it's like, why don't we take a minute and look at what everyone's been through and like pat each other on the back, you know, that wasn't easy. And it doesn't mean that the easy times are, you know, ahead necessarily either, but okay, we, we did that. We made it through that. So when the next big thing comes up, right. When, when your daughter has a, their love of their life breaks up with them, right. They can deal with that because they've had practice dealing with that similar type of emotion in a different capacity. And that's what it's all about. That's in a nutshell. I feel like that's life. That is life. And I think too, with everything that's happened in these, these past couple of years is, that they, moving forward, there has been so much, instead of judging or yeah. being so negative to, to to people, or I just feel like everything has been so like black and white or mm-hmm. Republican or Democrat. Yeah. It's like, I want them to embrace everything, everything. right? Yeah. And not, not be so judgy. Yeah. Just be a good human. Be a good human. Like life's too short. Be kind. I just bought a sweatshirt the other day that says be kind on the back and I want to wear it everywhere. Yeah. And be like, people, yeah, just literally. be kind. Like yeah. be kind to everyone. We're yeah. so, uh, that could be a whole nother I podcast. We, we could, we'll, we'll bring you back. back. But no, I, I had the same thought, you know, like I was telling you about my grandfather and he's 93 and what, what we're going through with him right now. And it's like, at the end of the day, at the end of life, red, blue doesn't matter. Black, white doesn't matter. What did you do? How did you leave the world? How did you impact people? How do people impact you? Like we make life such a bigger deal than it actually is. Mm-hmm. It really is not that. And I feel like I can also say that from going through depression, getting through it and now speaking about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like everything in my life moving forward is nothing compared to what I've already thought and the worst possible thoughts you can possibly think about yourself. So I, that excites me because I've already been through it, 
But unless you've dealt with that, that's really difficult to understand. But I just hope, I hope that we can be examples for the next generation um, to take that anxiety away, to take that edge away. And like, if you don't get that dream job or your dream husband um, chooses a different path, like you are still going to be okay on your own. But you have to learn that. And that starts at a young age. It does. And these kids are learning it, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Or fortunately. Fortunately. Exactly. They're learning it. I mean, they've they've seen it. Yeah. They saw me sobbing at the counter when I got laid off from Flywheel. And that's that's real life. It's real life. It was a real, it was a raw emotion. It was in the moment. And then, you know, I gave myself a little time to like mourn and like dusted myself off. and And I always say everyone has a story. It's what you do with it that matters. So I am so grateful that you shared your story. I am so grateful for you inviting me here. Yes. Absolutely. So great being uh, here. Thank you so much. Connecting me to this. I mean, you're the ultimate connector, right? (laughs) Me to this industry and these people. And um, we walk in the same same path. We know a lot of the same people. And you're highly respected in this community. And I'm excited to see what you, what you do with your business. So where can everybody find you? They can find me at www.ericacarterfitness.com with a K with a K Erica with a K Erica with a K or on Instagram at Erica Carter fitness. Um, that's where you can find me or, you know, shoot me a DM, whatever, if anybody has any questions and we'll tag you in the notes and, um, do you have any like promos? Did you say the first week is free or what did you say? Um, I always, well, I typically, you can buy a week pass, but okay. anybody listening to this podcast can hit me up and get Ooh. a week free All right. at EC Fitness. Tell her you heard her story here and we are grateful that you shared it. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. The biggest compliment I ever receive is when you like the episode, you share it with your friends and your family or a stranger that is in need of hearing this information and from these beautiful guests. And then also to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I would also love to hear from you. So if you would like, you can DM me at six feet above podcast on Instagram or send me an email six feet above podcast at gmail.com. So that's six, the number six feet above podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your questions, your comments, your feedback, your suggestions, and also any guests that you would love to hear from in the future. Thanks for listening.